Laundry. <laughs> I never thought that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Good morning, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. Season 5. This is a podcast about movies and friendship. And this season we're doing Kevin Bacon's Exquisite Corpse, a year-long movie-watching game. And we're just four conjoined tw- quadruplets who are going to die together. Hell yeah. What an exciting thing. Well, within a few days of each other, at least. Um, I'm your host, Alex Falcone, recording, as always, from uh, North Koreatown in Los Angeles. I'm joined by my co-host in the Southeast Portland. He's at Anthony Lopez Part 2 on Twitter. If there was a beauty contest for the insides of bodies, he would win. It's Anthony Lopez. Uh, you know, there's... I, I love this movie. There's not a lot in it I could really relate to on a personal level. <laughs> but I have to say... You do like Italian same, furniture. I do like Italian furniture. I like my house to look like an aquarium. Um, but when Jeremy Irons is high as fuck and he screams, I want ice cream! <laughs> I felt that, you know? I, man, that was probably the least I related to the movie times. was when he had orange soda and cake and was like, I feel like ice cream would fix this. I, that felt like too sweet, too much. No, that's the thing is you haven't been high enough. That's the problem, well, that Alex. Is true. That is true. To get that high. I, I like the I cake. Like the, the no, no, no uh, knife cake splitting. Where cake, just like you just yeah. cake hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like cake yeah. hands for sure. Eat it right out of your hand. Too. Yeah, yeah. Feel good. Um, also joining us today is the co-host of the Old Gamers Almanac podcast from the woods of Brooklyn. There's something wrong with him, and I can't. I could put a label on it, but like subtly, sometimes like I think I like him very much, and sometimes he's just an amusing lay, and not much more. Uh, it's Hunter Donaldson. Yeah, that's me. I'm actually twins. Um, and the last last week was my evil twin was oh, on right. the one and who the segment that was a different yeah that's guy. why my my energy was like that my evil twin was here that's what it was <laughs> this is the good twin I love you saw Dead Ringers was like just very unimpressed by the Prestige yeah oh yeah yeah I was yeah, like I no, think this. you would have definitely gotten a hint about the Prestige if you'd watched this in, in a few years of it for sure I mean I don't know that I would enjoy the game of pretending to switch places with my twin like that seems like every conversation you have would be like wait what did i say yesterday like that just uh, yeah. sounds so three things that's what would be so boring it's just explaining every little dumb thing you said to everybody it's so annoying i i feel like i have that already because you know like alex like you i'm not great with faces sometimes <laughs> or names uh, and so i'm like i'm just gonna assume that i know this person and just say vague things until they get enough context clues <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the reason already always playing that game. Yeah, go ahead, Anthony. The reason you wouldn't enjoy that is because you're a whole full person. You're not a fucked up little set of twins. Oh. Well, that's I mean, true. <laughs> this movie again. I really like this movie, but I love that this movie in the opening scene asks the question: What if there was two little freaks? And then it follows <laughs> through on that for the next two hours. Just what if? I... Yeah, but you, you know, the prestige weirdos. too. Like I, I, the prestige, I relate to you more because I'm like, all right, let's ruin our own lives yeah. for one magic trick. But even then, <laughs> I like, get that. Yeah, I get that. But yeah. the idea of like constantly having to be like, when when she's like, remember last night you said that thing to me? No, no, baby, I forgot. Remind me. Like it just sounds so stressful to be constantly like. Mm. What, what, I so I feel this way about tapas, but whatever I said yesterday about tapas, I also believe. 
Anyway, I just can't. I can't handle it. I'm not big on lying. It's very stressful for me. Also joining us around at the panel, he's in Northern California, and uh, he's he's been around a bit. So he's seen some creepy things in the movie industry, but this show is the most disgusting thing that's ever happened to him. It's Ezra Fox. Um, apparently I'm a mutant also. Yeah. Uh, you're the weirdest X-Man. You're uh, the X-Man <laughs> with three cervixes. Yeah, what a superpower. Mm. <laughs> It'll come in handy at some point. That makes uh, me hot, Ezra. Keep talking about your three <laughs> cervixes. Three cervixes. Hey, who wants to guess if this is my type of movie? <laughs> well, <laughs> at, least, at least you're not alone. I mean, hey, come on. This is more your type of movie than you were expected it to be. You got to give me that. That is true. I was yeah. expecting worse than I got. So I was here's the here's what's weird. I actually enjoyed a good chunk of the first part of it, I feel like. And then the part where it was less there was a sitcom premise played seriously. (laughs) I like that part too. I uh, we're going to talk about the movie in a second before, but I will just give you a little preview, Ezra. Of all the things that are not for me, this is the most not for me. Oh, you mean you're looking forward to Endgame? (laughs) Yeah, Endgame, Avengers, Endgame. I mean, no, because I've seen Endgame. Like, just at least this was a different movie. I hadn't seen this movie yeah. before, so that helped, but oof, boy, this was not for me. Okay, before we get into that, though, we got a few things we got to do, and we're going to keep it brisk, which includes, as usual, probably talking shit on the news segment. But first, I want to start the show by thanking all of our fabulous meat buddies, especially for our new fabulous meat buddy, the most fabulous Steve, who just signed up. More about Steve in a future episode. If you want to join Steve and be fabulous and keep the show limping down the tracks, you can go to metreon.com. We really appreciate everybody who supports the show. Also, I want to take a quick second in what feels kind of like an advertising break to let you know, if you're watching on YouTube right now, you'd notice Ez has a different backdrop. So these are just all the mysteries Whoa. that are available wow. to you if you watch us available on YouTube.com slash Alex Falcone, where we are continuing to put new episodes until one of them magically doesn't work. But so yeah. far, they've all worked. So. so if you're a listener, though, just a podcast, I need you to go into your mind palace yes. and Date Ezra's background manually, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Right. right. <laughs> so, is that the same Mind Palace background you've already had? I know you imagine him in like a big, nice kind of like by, by the jacuzzi. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of crushed velvet paintings, but yeah. you need to update your background <laughs> now. Picture him in a French ski se- ski chalet. Yeah, so everyone is, in your yeah. Mind Palace. Right click on settings, and then. <laughs> <laughs> You might have to update your drivers, depending on whether or not you have thought of Ezra's backdrop recently. Um, All right. Uh, Speaking of which, actually, I do want to do... So it's time for segment one, the news. And I know, Hunter, you don't like when it's personal news, but sometimes it is. That's part of the news segment. The news. The news. This time is personal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, two bits of news today that I want to talk about that are not about the greater film industry at large, but about um, the smaller read and weep industry at small. But... um, the first is that I had this idea for a little uh, YouTube series on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, you may have experienced it live while you're we watching, or a few months ago now, while we we're watching Soylent Green. But I put out my first episode of my new YouTube series, We Live in the Future. Oh, cool. So, oh, you did it. Uh, my little mini series uh, about movies from the past that are set in the current year. And then I watch it and decide uh, how well they did. So for my first episode, I watched the 1994 film No Escape, um, which uh, have any of you guys seen No Escape? No, I have not. Mm. It is uh, it's it's mostly like pretty wild about the future. We don't we don't take monorails to get to jail, 
but um, the one thing that they really do nail is the private prison industry taking over mm. everything. Um, they're really good at that. Yeah, um, that must have been uh, hard to predict in the 90s. <laughs> Didn't everyone see was, that writing on the so wall? This was 94, and the crime bill was also 94, which means this was in production before the thing that caused the thing the movie's mm. about. So... I mean, you didn't have to. I mean, I, don't, I wasn't around much. I was really drunk in the early '90s, so I don't remember much. But the, um, mm. uh, I'm sure you could uh, have predicted this. But I, you know, it's still impressive. I mean, it's still it's before look, it all was. You don't go off. broke in America betting against justice, right? So <laughs> if you're if you're if you're saying like, hey, I, we think it's probably gonna be more unfair in the future. That's probably not a bad mm. call. That is a good bet for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, doesn't it also kind of feel like the last? 10 years in particular the people in power kind of like speed running the end of the world like they feel like they're a little <laughs> bit bo- like the, the people in power kind of slow played it for like six thousand years and then the last 10 years they're like boys i'm tired let's wrap this up let's call no, it one one. One. And like, like i want it to happen in my lifetime i don't want to wait for f- future generations you know yeah, i want to feel it in. Yeah, yeah. i want to stand boys. on a mountain no. of skulls and you know it's, it's yeah. like that thing before the end of the world and just not know how it ends yeah mm-hmm. yeah so have you ever seen like a show you know that like you know had a 22 episode order and then they found out they got canceled and they had to wrap it up in two more right you know to, to yeah. just get under the wire it, it does feel like they're burning through plots yeah, well, being that we're being dollhoused. Yes, we're being exactly. Season two is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> I also feel like if you if you're saying you you wouldn't go broke betting against justice, I I do feel like maybe justice is point shaving. Like I do, it feels like somebody is cheating a little bit on that. Oh, so that maybe justice is not actually blind, joke. but just throwing yeah. the game. Yeah, exactly. Justice isn't blind, but is like in cahoots with a justice bookmaker. Oh. I just watched the Netflix series about uh, cheating at sports, so I like have been thinking about point shaving mm-hmm. recently. Anyway, so no escape, you guys. I do do not do not recommend it. Although it does have um, uh, Ernie Hudson and a couple other people who are really fun, and it does have this r- really fun like the lead villain uh, on the prison island is very funny, and he has his best line in the movie is he like kills all of his lieutenants, and he's like has a big meeting of all the people. He's like, I just want you to know the reason why I killed all of them is I really like being in charge that's Makes very sense. honest <laughs> so yeah i was Man. like what that's a solid argument i think that is why you did that um but yeah also i i, I do think by 1994 maybe you could predict prisons but you also should have known that monorails are not the future by 1994 mm. it feels like a miss i think so i mean i feel um, like monorails monorails were like vr where it's just i'm just waiting for their time to like come basically it was, it was a couple of times it was like oh is it monorail time yet and then no not yet. <laughs> still not really <laughs> maybe now it'll be the monorail year yeah Come well, on. that's the thing is, Monroe's had a real big future. Then Conan O'Brien wrote that one episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> and no one ever trusted Monroe's again. Did Just you call Monroe's for short? The did Mons? I? I think, yeah, I think you were like, Monroe's had a big future. And then Conan Mon- O'Brien. You did yeah. say that really quickly. You kind of sneaked it in there. Anyway, so if you want to see my first episode of We Live in the Future, uh, you can go to YouTube.com slash Alex Falcone. You can also find this episode. Um, okay, the other th- bit of news. This is news to you, to use. The three of you, this is an interesting thing for you. And it's related to our show. So uh, We're canceled. We've got to wrap it up, guys. <laughs> two episodes to finish season five. Um, no, I think this is. I think this will interest you. And I, I was trying to decide if I was going to tell you this or sit on it and let it be my personal advantage for the rest of season five. But I have decided to let you know because I think it's super interesting and I also want to tell people at home about it. There is a new tool on the internet to help us 
pick movies for this show. What? That exists because of us. What? So you know, what? so we we've been using a couple of different tools. Probably, I know you. I know I have, which is I've used. Um, IMDb has like actors in common, so you can yeah, say two search. movies, and it'll it'll tell yeah. you the collab search, tell you who is yeah, common yeah. in those two movies, and then Oracle of Bacon, which is about Kevin Bacon, and you can put in two actors, and it'll tell you how far it is to get from those actors. Yeah, yeah, how far the they are from is, each other. The problem is with the Oracle of Bacon, we don't want actors; we want to put in movies. Right. So yeah. I emailed them. And I said, what if we could put movies in? And they did it. What? What? So because of this show. So Patrick is the uh, owner of Oracle of Bacon, um, who you can learn more about on his website, piki.org, P-I-K-I.org slash Patrick, to learn about him. So Patrick makes the website, and he's a programmer, and he's very good. And he was like, hey, man, very commonly requested feature. So I decided to do it. It's not a separate page. You just go to Oracle of Bacon and you have to spell the movie name correctly. Exactly. So like if it has a the, you have to include the the. Because if you don't, the spell check program he's running is still doing actors first. So there's some other like places this needs to uh, iterate before it'll work perfectly. But you can do it now and it does kind of work. Ezra, you and I learned about a downside, which is it's it's scraping Wikipedia, not IMDb. So it doesn't get so everything. actors who are not mentioned in the Wikipedia page will not be there. But if you take the current movie and your movie, you can find how many steps to get there. Wow. According to Wikipedia uh, via the Oracle of Bacon for us. So thank you, Patrick. You're a genius. That's You're amazing. A I'm, I'm using it right now. Isn't this neat? You guys, this is for us. It, it happened. Wow. We've, we've, our, our cultural impact on the world. I think it's solidified thanks to Patrick. It's going from zero to one, I think. <laughs> that was, that was, we've had one impact. <laughs> Uh, I, I think so. I mean, there's like a couple of other little things I could claim as cultural impact over the years, but definitely this is the main one is that the Oracle of Bacon now works with movies. It, I, I was like, there has to be a way to do this because it knows the movies on the way to the other actors. Right. It right. seems like you right. could just flip mm-hmm. it, but uh, it's obviously way more complicated than that. But um, yeah, anyway, you guys, tool free for us. Wow. That, I love this. Thanks, I don't think Patrick. this is. All right. I'm just going to say, I don't think this is fully working. It's in beta. We could just because, uh, like, so, so for example, Avengers, Endgame, and Iron Giant should be one because mm-hmm. they both have Vin Diesel, but they have it as two. Why well, do they have so, it as? They, well, it says we have to go to uh, M Emmett Walsh and watch Knives Out, and then watch uh, and then get Chris Evans to Endgame. Oh, well, that's a good idea. I love that you trip. We should, but mm-hmm. uh, it's not strictly speaking necessary. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I don't know who it's missing in that game in particular, but in Diesel. Um, well, right, it's missing. I don't know. I don't know what is going wrong there, but I will. But it does anyway. It's an option. It's a helper. It's a. It's a step in the right direction. Hmm. And uh, Patrick Reynolds did it for us. So thank you, Patrick. That's Listen, awesome. thank you, Patrick. This feels thank like you. a segment called "Beggars Shouldn't Be Choosers," Ezra. But you call it whatever you want. Um, I wonder if it can. Here's a question. I wonder if I actually can get to one ever. Like, I wonder if it's like it has a minimum of two. Uh, yeah, you can do like like knives out to Iron Giant one move with Emma Walsh. Okay, it, it works. Yeah, has a uh, knives out has an Iron Giant number of one. Yeah, okay, so it does great. work sometimes. Okay, great. Uh, no, this is good. 
I'm, I'm still. I, I, look, I, I don't know how many times you want me to yeah. send an email to this guy who did this work for free for us and be like, well, what if it was better? But you know, maybe he'll keep improving it. Maybe he's excited now about it. Maybe, yeah, we've got we've got a lot of got a lot of good heat about the Oracle of Bacon being misused for just movies. Uh, <laughs> well, I was also fascinated that he said it was like a, one of the most commonly requested features, which is like. Who else is doing this? Why else do people mm. need to do this? Um, well, what uh, I think think of it this way: What are the other features you could possibly request? Right? Where it's like, would you want more bacon imagery about <laughs> okay, different kinds fair. of bacon? You're saying this is the only feature one could think There's about not for that this many website. things, right? Right, like, right, right. I guess I would want a feature where you go from one actor to another actor, and it tells you um, whether you should. Oh, you know, just if you can. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that the um what is it the, the malcolm uh uh jurassic park uh feature yeah, exactly the jurassic park theory oh, okay. of uh, the oracle of bacon okay so that's it for the news we're keeping this brief let's get into the game it's time for segment two the game as you know, for all of Season 5, Kevin Bacon's Exquisite Corpse, we are playing a year-long movie game that we invented that is now made possible a little bit sometimes by the Oracle of Bacon.org. Oracle of Bacon.org. Um, so uh, you have to spell it correctly, if, otherwise the thing doesn't work. Um, anyway, so we're playing a movie-watching game where we try, where each week one of us picks a movie that has a, an actor in common with the previous week's movie, and we try to steer it towards our point-scoring moves from er- movies from earlier. You get it. Anyway, okay. Um... One day I'm going to write this down so I can say it correctly twice. (laughs) This week, we are watching Dead Ringers, the 1988 psychological thriller directed by David Cronenberg, who co-wrote the screenplay with Norman Snyder, and is based on the 1977 novel Twins by Barry Wood, which itself is based on the true story of Stuart and Cyril Marcus, twin gynecologist in New York. Although the, the, the novel doesn't really take much in common with their real lives, except the fact that they're twins and they're gynecologists and they're dead. Mm. Uh, so the that's movie's a, even a key, Those are key elements. They're, yeah, yeah. It's, it's more inspired by, yeah, than like actually you know, like the story. And you know how like every once in a while there will be like the core and Armageddon, right? The prestige. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the Edward Norton, the illusionist, illusionist right? Yeah, yeah Bugs um, Life and Ants. Yeah, yeah. Bugs Life and Ants, Deep Impact and Volcano, right? There's yeah. a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot of these. You mean, yeah. You, you, those yeah. aren't right, but you get it, yeah. Yeah, but Dante's Peak and Volcano. Dante's Peak, yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you. But, but, you know, but what's great these... about this list is it's always one that's okay and one that's not that okay. really bad, yeah. Yeah. So, I think um, some of them are both okay. Yeah, sometimes they're both Both okay, is much better than Ants. I, yeah. They're both fine. They're both fine. But my, my point is, in 1988, there was Dead Ringers and there was Twins. Sorry, you know, Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Right, basically the same film. This movie was originally called Twins, right? Until Ivan Reitman got in there and was like, "No, no, no, my movie's Twins." Mine's Twins uh, because classically, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito would date the same woman, and she wouldn't know which was which. (laughs) Yeah, so it's too similar. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's just like a little piece of interesting thing. Yeah, yeah that is. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, this movie is, uh, is starring Jeremy Irons and a slightly sadder Jeremy Irons. A, a Jeremy, well as, uh, a Jeremy Irons Jill- that walks on the 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 like the ball of his foot and like the heel of his foot. Yeah, is that yeah. what he was doing? That's how he tried to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. he's using the Alexander uh, technique. I mean, um, yeah, Jeremy uh, Irons is incredible in this movie. Yeah, he's so good. I wouldn't allow you to slander his and. In- 
Easily like, one of the greatest performances I've performances I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, uh, I, would, yeah I would say in one of the most incredible. distracting performances in the history of cinema. Um, distracting from what? Like just every shot, it's like, well, this yeah, what do you want to pay attention to? They're, yeah, they're, well, every single shot of them together is like, this looks like it was shot awkwardly to avoid the fact that it's both Jeremy Irons. Like every see, crazy shot this, is like so distracting. This is the best use. Of dual photography, I have ever seen him. I was watching okay, something well, no, that's recently. Just insane. No, I come was on. Something no. recently. Trap, the original, is the best use. Wait, the of original sixties. Yeah, well, you're or... not. You're not a Lindsay yeah. Lohan guy, are you? Yeah. Oh my god, no. that's such a better Parent Trap. I'm this... sorry. No, no, the original Parent oh, Trap was geez. so good. But this movie is the great. I was watching something recently that was doing this that looked really bad, and I was blown away watching this. How flawless. It's really me, good. At least the it's illusion so was distracting. Every it scene, was... I was like, "Oh, look at that! Oh, look, there goes his back! Oh, look!" There's even a scene where they're like both in bed, and as soon as the camera comes in, he like turns his whole body away so you can't see his face okay. dramatically. Yeah, the it's impressive so... thing, though, uh, like they don't do it every time, but the impressive thing absolutely is like they have camera moves right where yeah. they are both moving in it. This right? was the about... first movie to use computer tracking for these types of shots. This oh, movie pioneered that effect, right? So that's how they were able to do because usually like like as it's kind of alluding to, you cannot do camera movements and do this yeah. type of things. It needed the match of both takes. Right. But because they had computer tracking, they were able to do that here. Yeah, I think the effect you, is a little janky do, sometimes, but it's mostly also do a lot well. of like a lot of like uh hair double, uh where it's just it, it just yeah. looks it, I feel like it looks like like every scene would be a little different if there were two people. And I, that just kept hitting me the whole time. Like this feels like you're doing this on purpose to hide something. I, lo I love the idea. So wild. My experience was not yeah. even close to that. I f completely forgot. I didn't even yeah, think yeah. about I it. I mean, like if we want to get into like the, how incredible the performance is, the fact that like after the first few scenes, you immediately know if you're looking at Beverly or Elliot. It's insane. From how the do they do that? It is. This is honestly like I know Alex and I impressed. Here. I never, I never yeah. knew which of the two guys it was. Every this time is, I was like, "This is just Jeremy yeah. Irons." This it is can just like, be a shot of him sitting, and I'm like, "Oh, it's that, that one." It's Beverly. Yeah. I don't know their personality differences. I don't understand what the differences are supposed to be. Did it gets easier when one of them gets addicted to drugs before the I, other. But I mean, I guess I genuinely think this is one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen in a film. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's a technical marvel. The, like I said, for me, my wife, Ezra and Hunter all agree, so do most people who have seen this movie. The fact that you can like immediately tell the the differences between these two characters are so stark and fascinating. You can't tell characters apart who are played by different actors. You you so, knew it was the same actor though, right? You, you got that far. You're like, you knew this right, is Jeremy you knew Irons. It was both Jeremy yeah. Irons. Yeah, I knew right? it was always one of the two Jeremy Irons. But like if Jeremy Irons was sleeping with what me as twins, I would have definitely been I'm I'm with Claire. I would have been like Wait, you're twins? I knew something was weird, but I didn't know it was that. <laughs> okay, before we get into this, a couple of other things we got to do. Anthony, this was yeah. your pick. Why did you pick oh, yeah. uh, Dead Ringers for us this week? Um, I picked Dead Ringers for a few reasons. One, um, I've never seen it, so it's it's checking that box for mm -hmm. my suggestions. Um, the other thing was, you know, I think kind of like doing this podcast for years, we've covered a lot of the sort of big 80s kind of cult legendary directors right we did a whole month on Herzog mm -hmm. uh, um, not, no, no, Herzog. not Herzog um, 
uh, the guy who did RoboCop. Why can't yeah, I think Robocop. of his name? He's one of my favorite directors. Oliver Verhoeven. Yes. The whole month of Verhoeven. We've done a lot of John Carpenter. Done a lot mm-hmm. of Spielberg. We've done a lot of. I mean, we've done Francis Ford Coppola. We've done all the big directors who were kind of working in the eighties. We haven't done any Cronenberg yet, and we never Cronenberg will again. Is we've, one of my. We've satisfied directors. the Cronenberg uh, requirement. We've done. We've checked it off. He's. I think he's really, really fascinating. He makes full meals out of movies, not just in like a gross way, but in like a really interesting way. His <laughs> movies can be. Yeah, you want to eat his movies? Every time I see one of his movies, I'm like, ooh, tasty. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's a really fascinating director. I wanted to pick this one because, again, I've never seen it. I've always heard really great things, and this is the movie. If you look at David Cronenberg's um, filmography. His movies pre this, right, are all what people kind of associate with David Cronenberg the most, right? That's the fly, video drum scanners, his body horror elements. And then this is his transitional movie into much more psychological, um, mm. kind of out, more outhouse esque movies, right? And this is the zone he's sort of been in for the last 30 years, is making these types of movies, right? Um, so I think that's a really interesting thing for like that transitional film. Like his his whole career kind of hinges on this one. So I really wanted to fill in that gap to sort of understand the context. How you get from like the fly and scanners to like a history of violence and Eastern promises, you know? Right. Um uh, I should also say in this, um, this is your pick. This was also <laughs> we traveled last week from Unforgiven via a power card and the same budget size. So this movie cost about <laughs> yeah. the same amount of money to make as Unforgiven. So just, I think, an interesting fact that I had forgotten until just now. And like, oh, yeah, that is interesting. Um, yeah. Let me summarize, for those of you who have not seen Dead Ringers um, from 1988, let me to summarize. Oh, I also, we were we got so caught up talking about Jeremy Irons. This also stars Genevieve Bujode. Bujode? Who's also amazing in this movie. Who's excellent. Yeah, she's really good. Um, and um, deserves to be mentioned third behind the two Jeremy Irons. Um, okay. So here's a five-point summary of Dead Ringers. Uh, the Mantle brothers are identical twins who are physically identical, but one is slightly cooler, which I just learned is because he's on the balls of his feet. Um, they share a passion for cutting-edge experimental gynecology, treating women badly, and eventually doing drugs. Um, they reach a great level of success with a fertility clinic, which they use to pick up chicks, <laughs> nice, um, whom they share uh, for a while, hilariously. But then it all comes crashing down when they sleep with a famous actress who can't tell she's being tricked. And then... She's like fine with it as long as she only hangs out with the nice brother um, who then she gets hooked on drugs instantly. He tries drugs three days later, loses his mind, loses his whole career, switches from gynecology to making um, art metal tools, loses his business. And because they're twins, uh, the same thing obviously immediately happens to the other brother because they share a brain. And so they do drugs, they eat some cake, they do surgery on each other, and then they die. And I, I don't really care anymore. Um, one of them like also cleans up a little bit after the other one's dead, but not much. And then not the movie enough. just ends. Not enough to get your deposit mm. back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're not getting a deposit <laughs> back on that clinic. Um, look, Anthony, I do not want to rain on your parade at all. And I'm going to be very careful about this the rest of the show. Mm. This is not for me this is the most not for me and i'm not gonna say it's bad even though it appeared bad every moment i was watching it it's black licorice this was pure black licorice i want to make why is it why is it not for you because i I don't know how to rank this on on, with anything else we've seen before i this is just this there's a there's a just its own dead ringers list it's number one and also last 
(laughs) (laughs) It is incomprehensible to me anybody liking it, but I recognize that they exist. And there are people who I respect. At at what point? I want to know. I'm like trying to learn about you. (laughs) Because I actually, I actually, like I saw your letterbox review where you basically said what you just said. Yeah. Before I saw the movie, and I was like, "Whoa, this is gonna be one of those hardcore Cronenberg movies." Because obviously, yeah. Alex bounced off it hard. And then I started watching it. And I was like, "Wait, when, when is it gonna get freaky?" And then it got it, a little yeah. freaky, and then it, it was over. It didn't even <laughs> have to be like it wasn't even that gross. No, no, it was not. It, there was a little bit of gross. They were clear. It was clear that the person making it wanted it to be gross, and that also like I yeah. felt that, that a lot. Like I didn't love the what. The dream sequence, the, dream, the Siamese twin yeah. sequence. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where they're Siamese twins, and she chews through the flesh yeah. connecting them. That was pretty bad. Um, Not my favorite. Yeah. Also, the su- like surgery the was pretty oogie. Um, I mean, come on, they them like dressed. At, I mean, it's probably the most famous image from this movie, right? Is them dressed as like satanic priest doing oh, yeah, the that, surgery that is is incredible. I mean, that whole. The way that's designed, the fact that I think it's his sister is the set, like the costume designer in this movie. Well, oh, you just mean the, all the people in red scrubs all the time? Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah. That was a good, wearing good, red. good job yeah. of the sister. Makes the joke when the, she called me a costume person, uh, which is <laughs> really, really funny. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, that, that whole design for that sequence, right, is just like, it's mind blowing how incredible that looks on film. Like them all dressed in like these red scrubs with like the red mask. They look like, like I said, like satanic priests yeah, doing yeah. a ritual. It's incredible. I, I wish I could tell you more specifically, and I don't want to focus on this because I want you guys who had a good time to talk about your good time. I don't know, I don't we, we get, but this is just like the first segment of. But of this, this was like, it, I mean, it really is like black licorice. I feel like I put this in my mouth, and I was like, not for me. Mm. Yeah. like how right fast? away how fast? early on right away right away early on pass i was like even I mean, the first half where it was just like an awkward sitcom premise but played seriously i was just like i just what there's something that he's interested in in this movie that i am not interested in the things he's focusing on the parts he's showing the things that he cares about and then i felt like the second half was like it has a few extremely gross sequences but also just like the 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 way he makes them look the the gaunt drug addicted faces and the shit everywhere like uh stuff like in their like just the filthiness of it the thing that he cared and also also i just there's a certain thing that i need in movies otherwise i start to feel like my brain is broken which is where like the actions seem human and like mm. him calling her hotel room and then hearing a someone else answer the most famous person in the world he calls her hotel room and she doesn't answer personally and he's like she's cheating on me i need yeah. to die immediately is just so inexplicable that i am like i feel the rest of the movie i'm like i'm just i'm not connected to these people emotionally at all i don't care what happens to them they don't seem real like this is one of those movies where i was like i should have known it was real because they made no effort to convince me that any of this is plausible so it must be based on a true story but I just felt like I've never met a person like any of the people in this movie. I've never seen right. a world like any of the people in this world. It's it's a cartoon that my it, it it is it is uncanny valley of emotion. And I just from early on, I was just like, get it out. But I mean, I have a few questions for you, Alex. One, how do I mean? Is there any like? Because it was kind of like within the cut. You also want a big fan of. And I not wonder, it just, I feel like I should have on that one. This one, I don't feel bad for not liking in the cut. I feel bad for not liking. I mean, th- uh, do you get uncomfortable around movies with that have heavy, heavy sexual 
like psychosexual <laughs> themes and storytelling tropes. I mean, I'm I'm an honest. This is honest. You can answer no. that question. Yes. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I, you know, I've seen plenty of movies. I, dude, Anthony, I don't want to brag, but I have seen yeah. movies where they just do sex and no plot. Yeah, yeah I've right. seen the weird stuff in it yeah. also. Uh, yeah, I, I, if it's that plus gross, no, I, yeah. I mean, certainly I get grossed out. Anthony didn't on say that sort sexual; of thing. he said yeah. psychosexual. Well, like, and I'm not yeah. sure I know exactly what that means, <laughs> See, so I, I'll be yeah. honest. Maybe Oracle uh, mean, can tell me. The thing, the thing about like this movie, <laughs> psychological right? and sexual at the same time. The the, generally, like, this... with like sort of horror bent, right? Yeah. yeah, horror and sex. No, I do not care for that. But I also yeah. don't like horror and dogs or horror and feel. Or just, feel. I don't like horror. Yeah, I don't like anything horror. horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pizza. Yeah, yeah. Pizza horror? I don't like. I, I I like a thriller, and I like I don't mind tension, but horror elements just not for me. I don't understand yeah. why people mm-hmm. like it. I have I can do like the jokey horror in a way. I can do camp horror better than I can do like horror. If that makes sense. I, I mean, I think with like a filmmaker like Cronenberg, right? He's like he's obviously a very subversive human being, a very subversive filmmaker, and he is right. not. He could tell, like, the story itself is trying to be, like, transgressive and trying to be subversive, right? Like, I think, like, those things you don't like, you say you don't like about it, kind of, like, the the unrealness of it, the kind of uncanny valleyness of it, like, that's all, like, purposeful. He could tell a much more straightforward story. And the thing I kind of, like, really liked about this movie is, like, if you look at the brothers, the twins, as, like, they're in balance, in the first bit of the movie, they are like a perfect circuit of one human being. Mm-hmm. And once that circuit breaks, the movie breaks with it, right? Structurally, story-wise, it is like them them being out of sync. The film starts that actually feel out of sync with the story it's telling, right? The way that he like immediately becomes a drug addict, which normally really like I'm I really hate movies that moralize about drug abuse, like yeah, stuff like Requiem for a Dream, which yeah. is like if you smoke pot once, you're gonna get yes. in six months later. I was gonna say, gonna, like, yeah, this fuck yeah. pervert. But yeah, this, this is movie, a this is a cool horror movie version of that that movie where they uh, smoked weed and then they danced and and then they all died from it. But this movie, though, I think that the drugs aren't... It's not that he's addicted to drugs. He is so codependent that he becomes a mirror of whoever he's dating, right? So that is why, like, the drugs aren't, like... It's not really moralizing about drug addiction. It is just that he only knows how to mirror, right? And that's his, like, form of intimacy, right? So because she is a drug addict, he becomes a drug addict, right? And, like, that's what, like, that is sort of, like, there for... Right. And, and when it's... she leaves, he falls apart in three days. She comes back to him, and he has ten years of power. <laughs> it felt like she was traveling at the speed of light or something, that she came back and was like, it's been a week for me filming in Phoenix. And he's like, right. I have lost everything. I have hurt everyone. I think they said it was ten weeks. I'm pretty sure that's, that's yeah, a line weeks, earlier yeah. in the movie. It, still, I mean... it felt like, for her, she looked the same, and he had gone through... He had, I mean, it did right. feel like... I, I, so one of the things I was apart. thinking about doing, I was gonna, I was gonna reach out, and I did, but I like, I was originally gonna reach out to my, uh, I have a friend who's a gynecologist, and um, I was going to ask him for his opinion on the how gynecology is portrayed in this movie, and then I th- very cl- quickly it became clear that even if it's not how it is in real life, drugs are portrayed much less realistically than mm. gynecology, and so that is more the focus. So uh, I'm, I, the, the drug thing bothered me a lot. I know you, I mean, you started this to say you didn't hate it like you normally do no. Anthony but that part did yeah. bother me 
I mean, it really worked for me in this movie. I mean, this movie, I think it's kind of interesting to compare it with Unforgiven last week because something I talked about there was the way that, like, these things that have always kind of been in the background of society and a sort of subtext in Unforgiven have gotten louder over the last 30 years and are now just straight up out there talking about, like, you know, they're good boys. They don't deserve punishment, right? It's like this thing we see all the time. And what I think is so fascinating about this movie is I, this obviously wasn't necessarily the intention, but I think that if you look at this movie, the way I re- read this movie as like, it's almost the way it captures modern internet toxic masculinity and like, um, like the game, like kind of pickup artist culture mm-hmm. of men who are super, super intellectualized women and intellectualized sex and believe that like, like they, Oh, I, I have this really good book learning of it. I understand all this stuff, but they have no idea of the emotional or the practical elements of these things. Right. And it's this character who immediately gets hurt by one woman. And he responds by seeing all women as mutants on the inside. He begins to actively hurt other women who are not the women who hurt him. Right. I think like the way this film Wait, who, captures who that, which, which who got hurt by a woman? Beverly, when like he gets hurt by the girl, he thinks she's, she's cheating on him. Right? Oh, yeah. that part. Like, okay, kind of. Like, just of I mean, who's the good one? There's not really a good yeah. one. There was well, he no was good the nice one, one before, where the other, where he was like, "I like her as a person," and his brother. Yeah, was he's like, not. I mean, the, the whole, their their relationship is so messed up, like the yeah. twins, and then you involve this other person in it emotionally, and then basically, I feel like because I mean, there's a lot of red flags about both of them. Well, before we get oh, into yeah, 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 drug yeah, yeah. use yeah, yeah. and stuff like that, I mean, it's like I, a, like I'm I said, not like they a, were great people before. No, a study of like the nice guy kind of trope that you see on the right. internet a lot these days. The way this movie captures that, I think, is really, really fascinating. Um, it's just a yeah. really no. interesting, uh, like kind of thing he's sort of saying about the stuff that is just it's become louder. It's like with the, everything that's fucked up in this world, everyone is just saying the quiet part loud now. But like this is a movie in which I really kind of captures that mentality towards women and sort of like, yeah, it's just it's interesting. There's I, I will stuff say I've I read did... on Reddit that would make me believe a, that a guy would overreact to a phone call like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to me, that seemed sure. like uh, yeah, yeah. like it made me cringe, uh, cringed hard and held that cringe until the end of the film. But it it did seem believable to me. That was fun for you. It it wasn't fun. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. it, it wasn't fun. It's not a fun yeah. movie. Yeah, holding yeah. a cringe for the for two thirds of a movie is just not. It's just very licorice. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, listen. Like, I don't. I think content's right. Like, I don't think this movie. This. I, I'm fine with movies not being fun, right? I think I'm fine with movies being challenging and, like I said earlier, subversive and like showing me something I haven't seen before and like just giving me stuff to like kind of mull around in my brain and sort of like work on like a very very deep like psychological level and i think this is cronenberg is sort of a master at that um i really love the fact that like this movie i've never quite seen anything quite like this right it is just a very interesting unique film at the end of the day even if you don't look at any of the sort of deeper meaning or the subtext to stuff it's just it's not your typical 
big budget Hollywood movie. It's not a happy story. It is a very, very challenging, difficult one. And I, I find that very rewarding to have a yeah. movie like this. You Me know? too. I, I related to it thematically because it's about codependent relationships. And yeah. I feel like I, in my life, not in the terms of like uh, like drug use, obviously, um, which is why I think the drug use had to be in there because it's if it's going to be about codependency, it, it you got to have drugs. Um, hmm. I feel like I've had experiences with relationships that were toxic in that way because of like similar types of uh, problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like I related to it on an emotional level very much so. And I, even I though wonder... it's turned up to 11, yeah. I, I still believed it. I wonder if like the if, if the drugs are like a bigger problem for me than like I, th- I wonder if maybe because I feel like that thing about toxic relationships and like uh, and codependency super interesting. And I almost feel like the drugs were like a deus ex machina to like get rid of them instead of actually dealing with this inter- this emotional journey. Instead, yeah, they just their bodies turned off, and so now we can just say, "Oh, they're crazy," because they they did laudanum or whatever or dilaudid. So now they're crazy. Now they're just crazy. Yeah, but, but drugs are such a perfect like metaphor for codependent relationships as well, because drugs are something you do because it's fun, right? We're having a good time; it's enjoyable, but it's also destroying you on the inside. In much the same way that a couple can be convinced mm. that they're in a good relationship, but actually, it's destroying them both. Yeah, and you get addicted to that, right? Yeah, and, like, and the addictive quality get away too. With it, right? And it's exactly. And like I said, the way he is like Beverly mirrors his partners, right? And the fact that like both of them are sort of like th- this idea that they just need to get in sync. Like I kind of really like the way that it starts off with you think Beverly is kind of the weaker one, the one that's sort of like less stable. And you very quickly near in the back half learn that Elliot is also just as fucked up. Oh, yeah. Elliot is way worse. Elliot yeah, is so much worse. more invested in the relationship, like between yeah. the two of them. He basically can't stand the idea of mm-hmm. them not living this way to where he doesn't even question it. At least Elliot yeah. has doubts and does think like you can see it in his performance and also things he says where it's like, He's sort of thinking like, oh, I think maybe this thing me and my brother do is like maybe kind of fucked up. Like maybe this is actually not good. Now, he doesn't know what to do. And obviously he can't feel like the movie is about him not really being able to live outside of that at all. But he does seem more self-aware. I do sort of feel like it's it's worth mentioning briefly, at least, that the thing they do that I called a sitcom premise is actually sexual assault. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent is is sexual assault and not yeah. cute. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I that. don't, the, the idea of like dating the same person and like kind of switching back and forth is like a cute sitcom premise. Uh, sleeping with people by pretending to be somebody else is definitely it, assault. It's kind right. of, uh, I mean, I'm just thinking about it. It's kind of like the idea of a parasitic twin, but if both the twins are parasitic twins, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're both yeah. kind of feeding off each other and the people around them in a, in a, a really problematic way. Uh, I mean, this is an interesting one in that I, Okay, there's movies that I wish I could unwatch. I don't think this is that. Like, I'm I, I don't regret watching this. I'm not gonna watch it again. I won't say I enjoyed it, and I don't know who I could possibly recommend this to. Um, <laughs> but big Jimmy Ion fan. Like, have you yeah. met a guy with a giant chest? Yeah. Tattoo? 
of Jeremy Irons, yeah. and they have like, not seen Dead Ringers. You would have to be like, if you haven't seen Dead Ringers, you would be yeah. making his day. Um, yeah. I love the idea of a recommendation of like, just if you like Jeremy Irons, do this. Like, uh, yeah, there's like, twice as many Jeremy Irons. Well, well, I mean, because depending on what Jeremy Irons you saw before that you liked, this could be maybe not your favorite next, right? If like, you know <laughs> what? There's plenty of bad guys. This is yeah, just yeah, if you want on. more Jeremy's Irons. Uh, more Jeremy's Irons in the Fires? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I think you could also recommend what was that movie we watched um, where the guy cuts off the woman's arms and legs if you liked that movie you definitely like this one I skipped that one I think good I'm for sure me did. Wait, you have been here for that about? were you not even actually this is one of the problems with the uh, with our show's structure is I don't remember um, doesn't uh, sound who fun. was on the show there was, yeah, was I do a, not I remember this uh, he is a, like a plastic surgeon uh oh man i don't want to have people listen to a podcast right google stuff how long mm. how long ago was this i mean it was definitely a while ago um uh, okay. there it is uh boxing helena i boxing was helena. not here for that no yeah None of you guys oh, for this? this is a this is a jennifer it. lynch movie um don't anything about it uh oh man okay so he is like um Anyway, it's funny. This is actually before I'd watched any David Lynch, I think. And so uh, this made me think I don't like the Lynch family at all. Um, it's an interesting movie. It's but it's he's like uh, he's like a plastic surgeon and he's like, oh, you, you got in a car accident. So I had to amputate your arms and legs. And now you live in my house on this little chair and I have to do everything for you. And it's about codependency and sickness. And it's definitely one of the most uh, fucked up movies I've ever seen. Um and it's got Bill Paxton, who I like. Um, but anyway, so if somebody loved that movie, I might recommend this. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, I have I thought a for sure you were all there for that. So it's kind of weird now. No, I mean, talk about that. Um, I, I, it feels like ma- this kind of makes a little more sense if, you know, Cronenberg as a director has a mission to have people take more showers. Because I think that's yeah. A, <laughs> yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me. Where it's just like, you yeah. know what? My kids did not want to take showers. I'm going to make a thing that makes everyone take showers right after it. And <laughs> I think showers are good for you. I think it's good to think about stuff. I think it's oh, good yeah. to feel you're comfortable. Gonna, you're mm. going to want a shower, he's saying, every time. Every time he's about <laughs> yeah. to throw a movie out there. You're going to want to shower in places you can't even shower. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> if you want to hear us talk about Boxing Helena, by the way, this is back on episode 337, which is still a lot of episodes into the show. Uh, and it had Chris, Tanya, and Sarah Hathaway on it. Um, and it was somebody uh, sponsored this. Somebody made us watch this. Mm. Um, yeah, we did not care for it. But it's interesting. No. And now that I know that it's like the Lynch family and I like the Lynch's more, I don't know. Anthony, you should probably watch it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you mean by the Lynch family. Is it just someone with the last name Lynch? No, it's, well? David, no, no, Lynch's no, daughter. it's David Lynch's daughter. Oh, okay. Cool. And I don't know what he did if he was involved in the movie in any way, but yeah, it's David Lynch's daughter. Um, so uh, okay, uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, I did want I do want to talk really briefly about. So I did ask my gynecologist what he thought of this movie. He'd seen it. You're a gynecologist. I, so I have a, a. He's a friend, and he is. He's taking. He's like uh, does some like write. I do writing coaching with him. I do Zoom coaching with him about his writing projects, and so I refer to him as my gynecologist. And it's a great bit that I've That's been awesome. doing privately just mm. for my wife for a while. Now you guys all get to enjoy it. I so it. I reached out to my gynecologist. I would have liked it more him, had it not been on the heels of this movie. I'll be honest. Yeah, that's for sure. true. Well, for sure. That's what I was like. I, you know, is this, uh, is this, you know, what it did for clowns? You know, it did this do for male gynecologists or boy gynecologists, as I call them. And I know guy gynecologist was right there, but it's a spelling joke. It doesn't sound, it doesn't work as well. Mm. 
out loud. So Boyna College. Anyway, so I was like, what you know, does this mess up what Boynecologists are like? And he was like, uh, he watched it before he was in the profession, but he said, um, I did the, I will just say the job is much less penthouse forum than movies make it out to be. Yeah. Uh, which mm-hmm. is very fair. Um, but interestingly, he grew up in New York and he knew several kids whose moms were patients of the real brothers the movie's based on. Oh, whoa. Okay. Huh. Which is crazy. So, which I, I mean, I do think the real brothers of this, the the Marcus twins, like, there's not actually like a, there's like a book written about them that I found that I don't have time to read, but I am interested in their story and there's not as much about their story on the internet as I would have expected for having um, led to this movie. So I am super, I mean, they clearly had a lot of mental illnesses, and, right. but I, and, and there is the drug thing with them is really actually it, like an interesting debate where like they died in a way that looked for sure like a drug overdose, but the toxicology reports were absolutely clean on both of them, which is weird. And then there was like a later second toxicology that was like, maybe some Dilaudid, but we're not positive. I thought they died from withdrawals is what I so, there's, so there was so then so then because the toxicology reports were clean, people suggested it was from withdrawals, but then they had none of the physical signs of someone who died. Usually when you die from withdrawals, you have like um chewing on your tongue you have bruising in certain areas you have like uh, like sim- there's signs you look for that did not exist on them either um so it's really unclear yes Ezra, wow. you've raised your hand can we skip yeah let's move ahead <laughs> um but it didn't give okay so i wanted i just wanted to so let's let's make this nicer so i did have this idea from this though uh for another spinoff podcast which is you get people who have done a job for a while that is portrayed in a movie and you talk to them about how their movie, their, their job is or is not like the way it is portrayed in movies. So talking to a boy ecologist about dead ringers or talk, like we watch a season of house with a real doctor, you know, I just, I just want to say like, I think this is a great idea, Alex. I just want to say not for a second. Did I buy any aspect of the gynecology presented in this movie? Mm. I well, no, even I mean, at the I very mean, beginning, you know, I was this, like, the, yeah, the movie no. is not how gynecology works. But this yeah. was—it's not. He it doesn't really not, care about gynecology that much. Yeah. I found, well, which no, I was kind of relieved by, to be right. honest. So this is really less about. I'm not. This is not criticizing movies. This is like using movies as an excuse to talk to people about their jobs totally. and how yeah. they're perceived. And I think that would be super interesting. I love that. Every movie that has comedians in it has nothing to do with my life that I've ever seen. Um, you know, we watched that Tom Hanks co- movie about when he was punchline. Him, punchline. We watched Punchline on the show, and they have lockers at the comedy club, and it's just That's hilarious. Ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> each comic has their own locker in the That's green room. So ridiculous. The, so there's like only up to eighteen comedians, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, but but like like Marvelous Ms. Maisel has nothing to do with anything that I've ever heard of in the stand-up world, but this is a good show. People like it. It's a really nice sure. show. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I do think it would be interesting to like uh, talk to people. Use it as an excuse to talk about people's jobs and how they're interested. You know, we did have when we when we talked about it on this program, we had a clown come on. We did an interview with a with a clown who was like, actually, it didn't make our profession bad. It didn't scare people away. What really ruined our profession was that it costs almost nothing to become a clown. You just buy a pair of big shoes and a nose, and then you can go to parties. And so in the late 80s, early 90s, the market was flooded with people who were not good at it and were actually just like legitimately kind of creepy, not like horror movie space clown, just like creep dudes. They were just creepy people. That actually ruined our profession. Anyway, so so the idea for the show is more like talking like that to people about their jobs. Mm. Not that this, not to criticize cronenberg for his although i am interested in like like what is 
cutting edge gynecology? Like, like, do you know people like this? Are there like <laughs> bros who are like competitive about mm. their, you know, fertility treatments? You know, are, if you got a patent for your thing, would you get it bronze? Would you have like a gold statue of the thing you made, the disgusting surgery tool you made? I mean, isn't it with like Cronenberg? It's more of like, you know, he picked one. The story is based off of some two kind of colleges, but you can kind of see where like from the base premise of this, the way he kind of works backwards on his themes, right? The idea that like these are like two guys who are like super intellectual and clinical about female bodies, obsessed with the womb. They share a woman, right? They literally like the two guys who came out of a womb together and their whole obsession is getting back to the same womb. Right. Yeah, right. That is like it is the like the way it is like kind of working back. He takes like he analyzes premise and then it's like, okay, where can I dig in here? What is like interesting and what can I say? He's obviously like he's a huge fan of like Freud and like Freud psychology, even though he yeah. doesn't like necessarily believe it can be applied or it's real, but it's a really good like starting point and a template to use for where he decides to dig in on stuff, which is one of the things I think he makes him so fascinating, especially when you look at his sort of like all of his films and his sort of like outhouse phase. Would be be it something like Crash, which is like incredibly subversive and challenging, or even something like kind of his more Hollywood esque successful stuff like Eastland Promises or um, A History History of Violence. Violence. The way he kind of like he starts with the premise and then kind of takes a big step back from it and finds those things that he can like dig in and show you that you haven't quite seen before in a movie or how he can like intellectually apply his sort of belief to create interesting frames to create really horrifying elements. Um, I definitely think that Freudianism is, is much better as a movie technique than as a medical technique. So like it is really, it's especially for horror movies to use sort of Freudian ideas to like explain why people are doing things. And I can't, this is not speaking for my gynecologist, but I get the impression from the way he's talked about other boynecologists in his career, in his field, and this is pretty, pretty Freudian, that it's less about the sexuality and it's much more about pleasing your mom, about something, it's more about mom issues than about like the like, hey, gross part. Um, So Mm -hmm. I I like that as a part of this uh, and I like that as a tool, especially for 80s horror movies. Um. I do also just to to tag on what you're saying earlier, Anthony, about the like codependency and stuff. Um, is it is an interesting movie about partnership because they are like like we're talking about their relationship partners, but they're also like lab partners and then partners in a medical firm and their research partners mm. and they share sexual partners. Like it is it is definitely somebody who's interested in partnerships and how they work, and I think that's interesting, not just as the emotional relationship one, but also the like sibling mm. one and the professional one. We, and also, I mean, balance, one of them does part of the research and the other one does part of the invention. And like they, they, they clearly have different skills that are working really well together early on, which is yeah, interesting. It's the duality of the people, right? The way like they even kind of comment on it, but like Elliot and Beverly kind of like a masculine and feminine name, right? Like mm-hmm. the way they are sort of like the two halves, right? And like the, the way they, at the beginning of the movie, there's like this really great line where like he, when uh, Elliot accepts the like gold plated thing and he goes back to his brother and it's like, I wish you were there. And he goes, I was there. Right. Yeah. Because I, of like that point, they are 
essentially the same person. They share an experience together, you know, and the movie yeah, is right. about, again, it's like that them being in sync, them creating a perfect circuit through the first half of the movie. And then once that circuit gets broken, everything starts to spin out of control. All right, we're going to start moving towards the exit here, Hunter. Next I got a point. question. I just want to, que- I got a question for the panel. Would you do this if you had a, like a clone or, or an identical twin? Would you do a Dead Ringers? Would you both, would you, if you had like a spare you that could do half the things you have to do and kind of double your life experience i mean obviously of. obviously not the sexual assault part this boring awards dinner and schmooze because you're good at schmoozing while i yeah. do more research like yeah. that part mm-hmm. yeah uh, maybe you do that you do that i mean i, I mean, mean i don't like doing anything where i could get caught conceivably like the idea of being caught at anything in a lie it would be it's just so upsetting to me well i think could you imagine alex your drunk version coming in and making a fool of you how embarrassing that would be like you essentially you get to watch yourself stumble into a room and make a scene we'll say that would be more upsetting if it was a clone than if it was a twin yeah just in terms of the public perception of me how that would change if i showed up as a Drunk clone. Ooh, I mean, Alex let's. Clone. Oh yeah, that's a good Alex one. Clone, you got. Yep, I mean, Alex got clone. I want to disparage all twins out there. <laughs> but I have definitely known some fucking weird twins in my life. <laughs> I mean, I have. There's some really normal twins I've met. Actually, I will say that's actually been my biggest disappointment with twins is how many of them seem like just people. I have met. Some fucking weirdos. <laughs> um, Heck yeah. That were like very. And you see, like online, you see, like, there was this photo I saw of these twins who married other twins and they oh, all like lived that. together and they all dressed the same every day. Okay, okay, okay. so the and first it's just... part of that I understand, which is like, actually, there's a lot of stuff about our personalities that are con- compatible with your personalities. Yeah. But living together, even if you're like really good at telling them apart. Like, sometimes you're sleepy and you just woke up. Like, there's just no reason to have someone who looks just like your partner but isn't around your house at night. I just I yeah. can't handle that. You, you just know. You hear about stories. Like this, and you, just, you know. The thing is, the stakes are super low because they're all freaks. They don't give a fuck. Two sets of twins being married and living together is not a bug. It's a feature, these people. Right. Right? Okay, I see. Those weirdos love that shit. They're they fucking mistakes. creepy people, right? I, okay, I'm not saying all twins are like this. Just, I, I just want to speak on behalf of Ezra's face in case you're not watching yeah. us on the YouTube stream. Not all of us subscribe to the the, yeah. the opinions expressed by Anthony Lopez are not necessarily the opinions of uh, <laughs> Read It and Weep or Ezra or I. This felt like an important thing to say. Like, actually, just most 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 other opinions that are not me are not my opinions. Right, right, right. Just, yeah. just assume yeah. that I'm not subscribe from all of our opinions and their if results. You're frowning. I'm frowning. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually feel like that was like it was actually like silly to talk about the gynecology because this movie is so not how twins or yeah. women or drugs uh, work either that like of course it's not how gynecology works. I do believe yeah, that you know might have been how the eighties work. Well, and also like the parts about the gynecology is like actually like probably not that far off where they're like there's a fertility clinic and you do a test and then you give bad news. That probably happens a lot. Yeah, gynecologists probably look at their patients all the time and are like, 
I know chicks who fuck dogs. Right? That probably happens in real oh, life. Oh god! Look, I'm uh, not again, guys. Just just to note. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also like, out now. It was an yeah. audio term, ever like uh, an audio oh. signal every time Ezra has disengaged. Mm. I think that would be good. Being <laughs> like a light or I I have one last question. There are a lot of doctors with bad bedside manner. That does not. That is actually very reasonable. But okay, so I have a question for you guys. Was the artist in the wrong? Like, if someone comes in and has you cast a bunch of stuff, and then you display that in an art gallery with your name on it, not the doctor's, Mm. is that technically like plagiarism? I mean, I would care about the contract for sure. If I was looking at that, but. But yeah, I mean, he uh, didn't have him sign a contract. He came in as a lunatic and said, I need you to make these fucked up things. Yeah, but then he was like, make them out of metal. Are they? And he was like, I made those. And that's pretty fucked well, up. Right. But, but I so yes, yes, yes. Obviously, yes. But I also think because the guy was like, no, he was like, this is a good idea for art. And then the crazy guy's like, that's not art. These are legitimate surgical tools. And then when he displayed them, he displayed them as art, as like, um, you know, tools for mutant women or whatever right, is right. like actually like in that he didn't mean that they were tools. He meant that as like a weird art piece. So I do sort of see where he added, he took a crazy person's real idea and was like that, but as a joke. And I kind of like that. I kind of yeah. like understand it. Yeah. Like, honestly, I think ideas are overrated and that execution is the important part anyways. Mm. But like that's there's a million good ideas out there argument. everywhere. Yeah. Like if I also somebody's think saying, that, that's I made it I'm better at execution than ideas. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I feel like I have like if I had to just sit down and come up with good ideas, I could do it forever. But really? like actually executing on any yeah. of those ideas, same that's analogy. really so hard. And th- yeah, but so this is uh, yeah, this is the that's the kind of people I like to work with. And I think all three of you are kind of like that. And I am the I because I I've told us this before uh in our more serious art conversations, but I definitely every idea I have. I assume was a fluke and is the last time I'll ever have an idea. Yeah, that's that is I, how my creative brain works. And that's why I'm still doing jokes that are older than other people's jokes. Cause every time I'm like, I'll never write again. Every, every creative output I've ever made feels like an accident that will not be repeatable. And I, so I, and I love people who have a million ideas and those are the people I'm good. I like to hang out with. Cause like I can, I can cast the tools if we can work on an idea together. And sometimes I feel like people had ideas and didn't recognize the value in their own ideas and I can help with that. And that's what this artist did with the crazy guy. I would rather have like two ideas and being able to execute on them well than have like, you know, a million ideas and like struggling. I mean, I really am like super interested in creative partnerships for this reason. And what I do think what they had in the early part is that there are creative partnerships where both of, where you are better together than you are separately, where you you make each other better, you make better products together, and there are a lot of creative partnerships where that doesn't happen, and I don't understand why those last. My The problem is, with me historically, is that the kind of people who have the yin to my yang on creative partnerships don't, like, our brains don't work well enough together to, like, actually continue to work. Like, we fight or we will, like... Because part of my brain is I'd like us to be on time or whatever. And, you know, like I would like some help with scheduling everyone or whatever. This is not you guys, not in this project. Yeah, we made other other projects that have not lasted this long that have not worked out um, fall apart for that reason is that the things that make you really creatively gel sometimes make you structurally not gel. This is too serious for like this conversation, but this is I, oh, I like it. Yeah, thoughts on this, and I appreciate Who it. Cares? Going there. I, they liked it. I, I like to just tell the I, audience I you liked it. it. It was you enjoyed it. 
Listen, <laughs> audience. Come on. Okay, I have one last thought, and I'm just going to mention very briefly. Uh, a thing, the thing that I hate the most in all movies, and this is related to jobs, uh, is I hate when a microphone feeds back because the speaker is bad at public speaking. That's not yeah. how that works. Yeah, it's, it's not, annoying. If it was the right volume for your sober brother, it is the right volume for the... Yeah, that made no other. sense. Mm. That also bothered me, actually. This That's one thing in, we can't agree on with bad stuff in this movie. It happens in every movie. It, it happens yeah. in every... I, like, I saw a brand new show that came out in the last couple weeks where they did it. Like, it's still mm. happening. And I don't understand how there isn't a person in the sound department in charge of that who's like... I will not do this. This is I not mean, how sound works. Well, it's 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 like um, silencers, right? Silencers in movies are not at all like silencers are. Mm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. There is just a cinematic tradition and language right. to right. it. Right. Right. Yeah. The way silencers sound in movies, the way microphones feed back. Yeah. There is just within movies. Yeah, these things happen. Yeah, they oh, don't yeah. happen it's, in it's, real well, life, but they happen. In, yeah, it's like it's diamond, like, right? like like Robitussin. We have oh, this yeah, agree- yeah. grape flavor, which is not grape, but it's grape flavor right. that we have. Oh, that's it. So this is it's right. We agree that that's grape flavor, even though it's flavor. not flavored it's like grape. We agree that this is movie mics, not mics in real life. I guess it doesn't bother me with silencers because I know nothing about and would prefer to know nothing about. Exactly, guns, that's the difference. Huh? But I know yeah. a lot about public speaking. Right. Yeah. And what I what bothers me about it is like the potential results of good people who are like, what if I go up to the microphone and it can feed back because it can tell I'm nervous and I, I just want them to know they're going to be okay. I think the reason it's bothersome is because so like film people are not like gun people, although they might have a gun person. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to mm. just assume in this movie, everybody was a gun person. So the right. silencers being wrong, whatever, it's not their field. Microphones is pretty close to their field. It is. So it I, just, yeah, I wonder if it's because so many writers way. are afraid of public speaking. They all write as if public speaking can go wrong at any moment that yeah, way. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, okay, that's this is a pet peeve I've brought up on the show before. We'll bring up again. I'm, you know, I'm not keeping a list of every time it happens because it happens too often, but I hate it. All right, we need to quickly move on, um, briskly move on to the master quality list. So Ezra, we're at this weird place now. Where does the 1988 film Dead Ringers feature on our list of the best movies of all time of season five. Um, I'm going to put it at one below Hard to Be a God because it feels like that's the closest to it and I liked Hard to Be a God more. Okay, that's fair. So you're ranking it as 18. Wild. Um, Interesting. Which is, I'm not saying this is a bad one. It's just, that's a very, that's a very good logic. I like what you're doing there. I think it feels like the closest to it where this is actually interesting. I I don't begrudge it existing. Um, It's not my, aesthetics but yeah there it is yeah i feel similarly within the cut although i do feel like that that felt like it had things to say that were i think subversive in a more important way and this feels maybe subversive in a like question what makes you feel grossed out about gross things which i just am not i agree that, that by. in the cut is better but i don't know yeah. if i agree with that second part i think it's well i think it's an interestingly related to in the cut and maybe to hard to be god i feel like hard to be the god might not have been good or about anything hard hard, hard to be a god ruled and definitely is about stuff i'm not sure that how much of it made it into the movie but some of it definitely did so do like in terms of would i watch like what would i watch again over this movie it is almost everything on this list i don't know if that's how this ranking should go i think i would watch this again over the transformers the movie but that's probably it 
I think I would rather watch a girl with character in Russian again over this. I would definitely. Well, what about absolutely... the Transformers the movie on triple speed? Yes. Well, we can always have to do that. It would make it very short. Um, so you're right, saying, what I'm saying is the Transformers the movie because of that? Here's my God. I can't believe how many times I've had to say this on this podcast. <laughs> the, the good thing about the Transformers the movie is that you can watch it on triple speed and you lose nothing. Okay. <laughs> right. You can't watch dead ringers on triple speed and expect to get anything out of it. I watched and that's why speed. the Transformers the movie is great. <laughs> You did? You With watched subtitles. it on triple speed, Ezra? Double speed. Double speed. I couldn't do triple. Double speed. Triple okay. is crazy. Double speed is... Mm. All right. Okay. So here's triple what we're going to do, though. This is a... Like, now you guys know that the math is weird, because I'm ranking this as 20th. Uh, so you you know that this is already going to be at a place you don't necessarily right. agree I with. I know it. Mm. Um, I want to say, before we get further... Well, actually, I should have said this before the two of you spoke. This is a top five movie on this list for me. But also, this list mm. is always... Uh, it's impossible for me. This is not a list mm. of your personal taste. I this is a list it. of the I best movies it. of all time. But what mm. your val if your values are so far from the list, it becomes harder for you to decide where to put this one on it. You mm. know what I'm saying? Okay. No, we, each week you have to come up with your reasoning for how the list is written. Yeah, um, yeah. But remember, this is the definitive ranking of the best <laughs> movies of all time. So that's mm -hmm. what you have to do. Yeah, so I'm going to... I'm gonna put mine right above One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I actually liked it even more than that movie. This is like one of my favorite movies we've ever talked yeah. about. So we're gonna call that. Should I be calling these halves? Maybe, maybe that would be more interesting. Like um, my top three on this list would be like well, number one in the cut, number two, third man, and then like number three would be this movie of what mm -hmm. we've talked about thus far. So yeah, interesting. Um, okay, so that you are ranking this officially as uh, four point five or three point five. Yeah, something like that. Okay, Anthony. Uh, this is my number two movie on the list. Whoa. This is, this is above this... Edge of Tomorrow, below The Third Man. Yes. Uh, I think oh, this I movie... Wait, I'm sorry. I forgot where Edge of Tomorrow is. I'm going to move mine to above Edge of Tomorrow. I definitely this like movie this is, than I think this tomorrow. movie is a, a complete masterpiece. I think it's one of the greatest performances I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, it's a technical marvel in a very, very non-showy way. It's very, very calm. It's very reserved. But what it's doing there is true movie fucking magic. And I love that. I love yeah. movie magic. Yeah. This movie is movie magic for magic. an hour and 55 minutes. It's all Jeremy Irons all the time. He's in literally yes. every scene. He's incredible in it. Uh, I think this movie is a full goddamn meal. It is something you could chew on. You can analyze. You could teach this in a goddamn class. This movie is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I think a class is the only place it makes sense to watch it. Yeah. Um, so what that has done is it's given us an average score of 10.75, making this the new official 10th best movie of all time. Or no, wait, sorry. 11th best movie of all time. Behind Out of Sight, ahead of Battleship Potemkin, which mm. actually does feel like kind of how we feel as a group. That's how yeah. it should feel. Um, I the only thing that can screw this up is if you try to play the game, if you try to like math it to make uh to make it go where you want it to go. Okay. Um so next up, that's where we ranked it. Um that it did not quite crack the top ten, but it's close. All right, mm. next up. Ezra, we have some business to do here because Dead Ringers was Anthony's second movie pick, uh point scoring movie of the year. Oh, meaning Anthony has just been awarded five big points. Ezra, what does that do to our score? I don't even know. I don't have the window up. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it was eight. It was uh, Hunter and I eight, Anthony and you seven going into this. Okay. 
Anthony, you now have... Well, wait, Anthony, are you awarding any points? I guess that's what we have to do. Well, okay, give me the point totals one more time. Eight, eight, seven, seven. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give Hunter one point because he's got good taste and I like his style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to keep the rest of the points for myself. All right. Okay. <laughs> I was going to, if you guys, if I felt like you guys had at least actually tried to engage with this movie, I was going to give you all my points because I knew you weren't going to like it, but you guys were going to at least actually have tried. I watched this on one speed. I watched this with my full That's attention. True. I gave I, it my whole, it ruined my whole night. This I don't, is, I don't believe you actually tried I don't to engage with this movie. I don't want your points. I expected to like this movie. I did not like this movie. I actually went into this movie. We got a great email uh, from Ryan who wrote specifically to me who said, uh, I, f- I feel you. I avoided Cronenberg because I can't handle body horror. Um, even excessive body modifications make me queasy. I've shut off two over the top Japanese horror films halfway through. Cronenberg is actually nothing. You're going to be fine. Uh, I gave it a try two years ago because I looked up his films and realized I had seen and quite enjoyed two of them already. Um, so I, I think you will probably like this. I wish you the best. Uh, so I appreciate that, Ryan. Uh, I came into <laughs> it with an optimism because of Ryan, not because you guys yeah, but yeah, yeah. It made me feel better before I watched the movie. And then the whole time I was like, Oh, I don't think I'm liking this. I don't want your points, Anthony, but mm. I will not take the disrespect. I gave this my full effort to like it. And I will say every time I've disliked a movie in the history of read and weep, I have given it a chance. I, I, that's probably a lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah not mine. Three, I have given a full ever, everything since you've been a host mm. of the show, Anthony. I have given my full attention to and given a fair shot. I am fine so, with the disrespect mm. and the lack of points. All right, uh, I have two <laughs> minutes. Uh, so the uh, Ezra and Alex, last place, eight points. Hunter, second place, nine points. Anthony, sole possession with eleven Wait, points. No, 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 no. Um, uh, Hunter and I were tied at eight. You have seven. Oh, what? Did I add in mine? You sure? Yeah, so I'm, I'm at nine now. Yes. Oh, no, no, that's what I said. Hunter is, Hunter is definitely at nine. Yeah. You, so Hunter's at nine. You were in last place at seven. I have eight. Oh, sorry. Okay. Anthony Ezra, full possession of, of last place, seven <laughs> points. Uh, <laughs> Alex, eight. Hunter, nine. Anthony, 11. Okay. Okay. Uh, and that brings us to uh, two quick orders of business. Anthony, what is your next pick for a movie? Or I guess, um, are you supposed to say after I pick what we're watching next? No, I can say it now uh, now. because I really would be surprised if you picked this movie. But I'm doing the same criteria before movie I've always wanted to see, um, movie I've heard very good things. This one, I think, has a much more universal cast. So I'm feeling good about this. But I've always wanted to see this. I've sort of taken your challenge act, Alex, of sort of like undoing it up, getting some variety. If we could watch Uh, one movie during this season that passed the Bechdel test, I would be pretty into that. I mean, we certainly have, but I think, uh, so what I'm doing next is I'm doing a movie I've always wanted to see from a filmmaker I'm a little iffy on, Mm. but this is supposed to be one of her better movies, Uh, so I'm doing Sofia Coppola's 1999, The Virgin Suicide. Oh, heck yeah. I've never seen it. I've always heard really good things. I love, I've been on a big Kirsten Dunst kick over the past Mm. few years. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst rules. Uh, I really have reevaluated her, and I think she's an incredible actress. Yeah, she's so good. And this is supposed to be one of her best roles, so I am excited to see it. I love it. Good pick. All right. Uh, and then last order of business, uh, I am the picker for this week. We are. I'm going to make it super simple. I don't have any jokes. We are traveling via Jeremy Irons to the Lion King. I really what? like 
The Lion King. It's got lions mm. in it. It's got kings. I like both. It's got song. It's got the longest song about farting in Disney history. Big fan of the Lion King. That can't uh, be true. That, that has to be a Disney, longer one at some point. Disney cinematic history. Maybe they did it on one of their Disney <laughs> yeah. Channel things. But as far as fart songs, yeah. this one's got one of the best. Um, so we're watching the animated film, The Lion King, the original, uh, The Lion King, um, which is uh, from 1994 as well. Cool. Year of movies. Yeah. Huh. Um, so that's what we're doing. That's what's happening next week. Um, it is purely because I want to watch The Lion King and not because it guarantees Ezra and I scoring a lot of points after this. Um Cool. So the Lion hey. King, it is. That's what's happening. Um, that's you, it. You can't move through Jonathan Taylor Thomas to the rest of Hollywood. I mean, come on. That guy is in everything. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna watch a lot of home improvement after this. All right, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next week. And next week, of course, talking about the Lion King from 1994. We really appreciate all of you listening, and we appreciate I especially appreciate Ryan reaching out to tell me I was gonna be okay, even if I disagreed. Um, and you can send us email podcast at read-weave.com let us know your thoughts on the way the game is being played on uh, Anthony's runaway success recently throwing off the averages with so- scoring so many points on his own um, or where we should go from here with any of our picks really appreciate it. podcast at read-weave.com also you can check us out watching this video live not live this video re- uh, recorded live on youtube.com slash Alex Falcone you can also see my new the start of my new mini series we live in the future and possibly the home of a future mini series where I ask people about their jobs that are portrayed in movies, including my gynecologist. Thanks for being here, Ezra. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for being here, Hunter. Yeah, hey, thanks, Alex. And uh, Anthony Lopez, great chat with you. Great talking to you, Zoe. Sorry for disrespecting you. I, I know you actually tried. I didn't. Do try. I do try. I'm. It's yeah. the, the the point that you have to understand is that the thing that is broken in me is like a couple levels deeper than it seems. That's the important thing. It's not up here. It's not like wouldn't it be funny to hate this? It's it's always like, wait, why am I like this? All right. Anyway, we'll talk to everybody next week. Goodbye. Bye.